This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Support for 100 words or less comes from Talenti. When Talenti makes gelato and sorbetto, they tend to get a little overzealous. Did they need to use so many raspberries in their Roman raspberry sorbetto that the machine broke? Did they need to try 25 different chai teas to find the perfect spice blend for their vanilla chai gelato? Did they have to invent giant mint steepers to make their Mediterranean mint super minty? Does their obsessiveness make Talenti gelato and sorbetto the greatest? Well, you be the judge. But yeah, it does make them the greatest, and they're also the judge. Talenti, the delicious is in the details. I love this stuff, and so should you. All right, now on with the show. Hey, everybody. I'm Ray Harkins, and you are listening to another beautiful episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast in which we talk about independent music, whether that's interviewing the people that are behind the scenes doing the things at record labels and photographers and that sort of stuff, or the people who are on stage and kind of making the music. And um, yeah, that's what we do here. And there's no special, well, that's not true. I was about to say there's no special guest this week, but of course there is, because I am discussing, this is what I'd like to call a buried treasure episode. And uh, for those of you that pay close attention to the show, know that we've done this, I don't know, once or twice in the past, but uh, I really, really enjoy it. And I think people at least from the feedback that I've received, people really enjoy it as well. And so what we are going to do is we are going to dive into early 2000s hardcore. And what that means is that, you know, it's kind of neglecting the whole metalcore thing that was happening at the time, even though you could argue one or two of the bands that we mentioned in this show falls into that category. But um, yeah, there was so much cool stuff that was happening, you know, out of the the youth crew movement that started to happen in, you know, late nineties, early two thousands and bands started to add a little more texture and sound to what they were doing, but still kind of espoused a lot of the same, uh, aesthetics, same messaging, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I just, some of these bands just get forgotten about. And that makes me sad because they have either released amazing records, amazing seven inches, and, uh, they, they need some attention. All right. That's what's happening here. (laughs) I have to mention our awesome partners on the web, noecho.net. And um, yeah, you can just Google noecho, but yeah, you can also type in the URL, you know, if you're an old fashioned person. <laughs> but they are incredible because uh, they do such in depth coverage of, you know, punk and hardcore and anything aggressive. And I just love what they do. Carlos has a, a great ear over there and does, uh, you know, cool features. So if you enjoy this podcast, you absolutely should enjoy the content that he has going on over there. And um, what else has been happening as of late? Well, I'm, I'm going to see hang out with a old friend of mine, Dallas Green from City in Color this evening. And um, it's going to be really fun because I, I was actually thinking about it this morning. He is arguably one of the most uh, successful people that I know in regards to music and how he's been able to navigate it. I mean, he's like a true straight up rock star in Canada and frankly here in America, too. You know, I mean, I saw him, gosh, it was like a year and a half, two years ago at the Greek theater. And then, you know. Ben Harper comes out to play guitar with him. It's just crazy because, you know, we're, we come from this world of punk and hardcore and independent music. And then, uh, many people have been able to parlay that just based on sheer talent alone, have been able to parlay that into a long career in music. And that is so cool. And I just love that. So I am excited to see that show this evening. And, um, what else do I got for you? I can't think of anything else. So, um, yeah, like I said, me and Joey. Joey is the proprietor and owner of 6131 Records, who, if you haven't checked out what he's putting out, 
he's doing amazing stuff. Like, you know, at the beginning of the label, he was definitely focused on, you know, the scene that we were most familiar with when he started at some 10 odd years ago, uh, which was, you know, primarily the hardcore scene. And he has since grown very, very far past that, even though, you know, he still releases some aggressive music from time to time. Um, he just has really, really cool stuff. And uh, I mean, hell, he had Julian Baker <laughs> and now she's on Matador and it's unbelievable. So yeah, big, big, big props to Joey and you should check out his label. So we uh, spent some time. We p- both picked three bands a piece and um, yeah, I'll let the rest of the conversation do the talking. We'll actually play some music and it will be fun. So if you like this sort of show, uh, email me 100 words podcast at gmail.com because I'd love to hear if you like the sort of breakup of the, you know, uh, typical interview that I do and I, not typical from a content or conversation point standpoint, but from a, um, you know, just a, uh, a breaking up of those interviews, uh, just because I think these are, I mean, for me, I have a lot of fun because I'm able to go back into my, uh, my iTunes archives and be like, oh yeah. And then flip through some records and be like, oh yeah, this, this band was great. What, what genre can I put them in? So I've even put it out on Twitter where asking for specific feedback on like stuff you would like me and a special guest to cover. And uh, I've gotten some pretty in-depth responses people are like hey you should do a deep dive on tribunal records (laughs) and it's like that's how oddly specific people's interests are and i I don't say oddly because i myself i'm like when someone mentions that i'm like oh yeah i can list off like five bands that would be interesting to speak about so anyways that's that here is the uh special episode with joey talking about early 2000s hardcore so here we go So yeah, Joey, we're sitting here. We're going to do hello. a hello. We're going to do our uh we've been talking about this for a while and trying to figure out what genre we need to uh unearth even though I anytime I say unearth I just always think about the band. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to. To to resurrect, which technically you could say resurrection. Anyway, I, I, there are so many times where I'm you know using words in certain sentences and I'm like, "Oh, that's a band name. Oh, it's a band name." I I will I will never forget Nick Beard and what's your band? <laughs> and I, and I still like someone will say something and they'll like, be, like they'll, you know, say a band name unrelated in my head. I'm just like, what's your band? Right. And it's like just ingrained in me. That's, I can't believe that I forgot about that game. And so, yeah, for, <laughs> for those that are obviously completely uninitiated by this, because this is a game that didn't exist outside of, you know, 20 people in Southern California. Um, Nick, who uh, plays in Circus Revive now and played in Taken, would always interrupt people. So you're in the middle of a sentence talking about something, and you would mention a band name that wasn't a band name. Like, you know, you weren't trying to use it in that context. And then he would interrupt and say, like, what's your favorite band? And you would be like, it would, you know, completely throw you off. And you would just be like, oh, God, yeah, that's right. I said Coalesce or whatever. Like, <laughs> I, said, I said that thing. But th- yeah. thanks for that memory, Joey. That was, that was a funny one. No problem. <laughs> Uh, but we're here to uh, to to resurrect the careers of six bands, <laughs> so that they, they can hopefully do uh, reunion shows in some capacity or or play again. No, that's not that's not a real point. But these are often overlooked and underappreciated bands of the 
the aughts. I think that that's what people call it, right, Joey? I personally don't, but I think that's what some people call it. Yeah, right. Yeah, other other humans that are uh, you know maybe a little hoity-toity in their language. The aughts, the zeros, uh, bands that are you know played. I, I think we tried to hang around the idea of like you know hardcore from a traditional perspective and didn't really like go down the you know metalcore route or anything like that. Even though you know, which would be another great podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. We and that will we absolutely have to do in the, in the near future because we. I think we could probably go even deeper on that just because we we oh my God. we existed in that in such a, <laughs> such a heavy way. Yes. Like especially too where like you know since you and I had the experience of like selling these records at stores and being like dude I can't keep this in this day full length in stock like <laughs> it's like people are like what? Like oh yeah dude prayer for a cleansing dude just fly it off the shelves. It's like we sold 20 copies this week. It's like what? That doesn't make any sense. That makes perfect sense. I know for the time. I I realized I didn't have side note prayer for cleansing on vinyl. And I was like, holy shit, I need this. And I looked, and it's very expensive. Oh but, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I think I only have a I only have a prayer for cleansing seven inch that they you know when they came back and yeah. did those two or three songs. I got that, but not the full length. So if anyone out there wants to send me a copy, <laughs> you'll you know. be, you'll be glad to receive it. How much is it going for on eBay? Uh, no, I just looked on Discogs. I don't remember, but it was like, or I don't even know if there were any for sale because I think they only like it's maybe only like three hundred or five hundred or there's not a lot of them out there. So got it. Well, there you go. Oop, out of print. <laughs> Gem. Someone, should re- someone should repress it. Someone from Florida should repress it because that sounds like something Florida would love. Uh, absolutely, yeah. You could you could sell like three hundred fifty copies just in South Florida alone. <laughs> 350 there and then like uh you know 100 in north carolina and then the rest maybe around the world <laughs> well they could probably do another 500 direct to europe that's true that's true as long as you combine it with like a double xl t-shirt or something <laughs> yes but, but we, we we digress this is spe- yeah. specific <laughs> specifically focusing on uh you know the more traditional sense of hardcore even though you know the lines were blurred in the early 2000s where bands you know flitted between both scenes uh you know very comfortably but we tried to put up those guardrails for us so um Joey do you want to you want to kick things off with your uh, your first pick sure um my first pick is a band called Mental they were from Boston um i am now uh my, my brother-in-law <laughs> right. was in this band, but there was a time in like the early mid two thousands where mental and, you know, locking out, especially the label was like its own subgenre of hardcore. Like they just, I don't know if you ever went to any of those shows. No, you did. We went and saw mental in mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. wherever I think with Cali was. And yep. it was like, I mean, it was, it was the same hardcore kids. It was like, but it was just like a completely different vibe that just existed there. And I don't know if it's really existed elsewhere since like, and I feel like, you know, between my mental and righteous jams, they were kind of like, I don't want to say leaders cause that's corny, but like they were like probably the, the two biggest bands that came from that. Totally. And it's, you know, you put the lot, I guess cold world, but, they kind of moved past it, whatever. Uh, but like those bands broke up and there was a time when those records were like eBay gold. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, I mean, there's a small market out there, but it's just like people just, I feel like those bands didn't 
just move on. Like they didn't connect or continue to connect with people like, you know, in the last 10 years that other bands have. And to me, like the mental is one of the best hardcore bands of the two thousands and their LP planet mental is like a perfect record. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with you in the sense of like the the way that they came the way that they came about it you know their aesthetics their artwork um, their presentation was that uh, you know yes they did not take themselves seriously and they wanted to have fun at shows but at the same time the people that were attracted to that were all took the band very seriously you know like aesthetically and were you know that's I don't want to, you know, lump them in the same category like you were saying as like Cold World, but it's like you know the streetwear influence of that uh, that particular scene and those bands. Even though you know they didn't do anything besides like you know wear Nike high tops or whatever, like they weren't you know pushing an agenda from that yeah. perspective. But it just really attracted this uh, this this element to shows that was like, oh wow, like yeah, the, you know these are dudes that haven't gone to shows like this in a while or are just getting into it via, you know, mental and like you said, righteous champs and those bands. So it definitely, it felt it like was, a shift. It was real young. I think it's skewed to like young kids, like getting into hardcore in the early two thousands or I get, you know, mental was like 2004, 2005, I think. And it was just, I think that, that was the uh, the good like the gateway that people found like they got in through those bands. I don't know how they found them because I mean, maybe Mental putting out a record on Bridge Nine, the first Righteous Jams record came out through Chad from Newfound Glory's label at the time. Like uh, you know, I, that obviously would probably help. Yeah, but it was yeah. still just like this weird like subculture within a subculture within a subculture that, and I mean. It, I think the closest thing this these days would maybe be like a turnstile show. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's obviously a much larger, like, you know, those shows are pretty pretty big. <laughs> but like, it's you know, kids just like didn't care. Like, they would act. You go to a turnstile show and kids just go nuts and act wild and don't really, you know, there's not a lot of like posturing and it's just kids just going bananas. And that's kind of what like going to see Mental was was just kids didn't care what they look like, you know, the whole like getting low and, you know, it was just, it was a different time and a different, a different vibe. That was, that was pretty great to be a part of. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I totally agree. I think it's, um, yeah, I, I do think that that analogy of what you're comparing, you know, turnstile to, to mental, it, you can see the through line in regards to that, just as far as, again, the aesthetic, the, the fact that they're, wasn't uh anything strongly related to the band as far as like a message was concerned you know um that it made it it maybe it, maybe it made it more accessible to people uh that you know may have felt like other bands of that particular genre or era were like oh no i you know i'm not i don't really care for that you know it's like oh yeah these are these are just dudes having fun you know it's like get an, get an oxygen tank like everything in relation to the band was just like Oh man, that's cool. It's fun. It's a good vibe. <laughs> and then, well, then with Planet Mental, like it was like a, I mean, a more I guess quote unquote serious record. Like, but it's still like there's I can't think of another record that really sounds like it. It's just a fun record that like sounds great and the aesthetic is great and it's just like I mean it's on Spotify, but the vinyl's out of print. Like it's just. 
Yeah. It's, it, it exists on that and that's, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't been tended to, so to speak. So yeah, that, that makes sense. It makes sense why you'd want to put it on the list. Do you, uh, do you have a particular song you want to play? Uh, you will sense it. You'll notice a trend with the songs that I choose, but this is the first song on, uh, planet mantle. It's called future waves. Now, <laughs> are you telling me that you're going to play the first song off every single record you pick? <laughs> you're goddamn right. I am. I love it, dude. Hey, there's a reason that there's a reason these songs are number one, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, it's, it's not like an intro. It's just a perfect, I mean, it's a perfect song that it gets the record going and it gives you a taste of what you're going to get. And yeah, I went through, I listened to a bunch of songs today to like prepare and I was like, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> yeah. Like, Call it like you see it. Boom. Done. Yeah. <laughs> well, he- he- hear that song. Anyway. Well, uh, yeah, that was a, a perfect representation of mental and that, yeah, that I love that art on the record too. It's just so cool. Yeah. And the fit, the, I remember us freaking out when the, you were working at Rev and we got the European press in, well, I say we, like I worked at Rev, you, when you working at Rev got in the European press, I remember you, you know, calling me and be like, dude, do you want, do you want a copy? It's like, it's red instead of blue. And I was like, hell yeah, I want it. <laughs> I, I, it's funny. I I've gotten rid of a lot of like my doubles for my record collection and stuff, but I still have seven copies of planet mental. I have two European versions, four different color. No, maybe just five now. <laughs> still, uh, still both colors of the U S version, but then also I have the record release version. So Un- that was gift that was gifted to me. And, um, yeah, yeah, there you go. Very happy to have. It's in the family, so you, you of course, yeah. you know. But it's one of those re- one of those records where it's like, well, I just need all these copies. Like, I can't. I'm okay with having doubles of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the band that uh, that I'm going to choose is uh, a band called Count Me Out, which you know is a personal favorite of both Joey and I. We saw them numerous times together and separate. Uh, but they were from they're from Richmond proper, right? That's what they labeled yeah. themselves as. Yeah. Um. And they put out they put out one EP on Ambassador Records, which which is often forgotten about. Um, the same label that released uh, Circle Storm, which is one of my favorite bands. Which is so funny that I I think I saw every single Circle Storm show that existed, which was like six, because I was just obsessed with with Chain of Strength. And I was like, dude, this is Chain of Strength, but right now, guys, why aren't you into it? It's like, oh, because it's, it's terrible. <laughs> but, but actually, I did. I think I did did listen to that ep like maybe a year or so ago and it I was like it's not it's not that bad like it, it's, it's it's grown yeah i mean well i don't know about grown like i there's no way that i would uh, objectively recommend it to anybody and be like hey this is really good don't don't forget about it but anyways but yes ep on ambassador records and then two full lengths on indecision two right yeah 110 yeah. and permanent yeah because yeah two full lengths for a hardcore band like if you get two you're amazing and this is this is the band that I'm mad that you picked because I wanted to pick them. I, we, we st- <laughs> that's true, and we we did have to collaborate because I knew we would have a lot of crossover on this. Of bands like, dude, no one talks about this. We need to talk about it. I I stand by the fact that I think Permanent is the best hardcore record in the 2000s. Like, I was I I, I, 
I mean, I'd have to come up. I, I've, I don't think I've ever sat down and like come, came up with a list, but that it, that record is just so 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 good. But it's funny because I actually wrestled around with selecting a song off Permanent or One Ten, which are both of their full lengths. I actually chose a song off One Ten, What We Built, because I felt like it was like it was the most it's the most I feel- representative song of that era. Like, yeah. Well, and that's also like like the count me out song i feel like like if you're gonna start with count me out like that's a perfect place to start totally it's just like it has like the the harmonics the mosh part like everything about it just like reeks of that particular time and like even if you like just like half the song you will enjoy everything else that's on their lps because it was like i mean i think what was so cool about permanent was just the uh i mean it's like every song is like almost under two minutes and to be able to combine so much in so little time from like the dynamics, the, you know, ferocity, like everything they did was just like, how'd you do that? in like less than two minutes, dude. Like, I feel like I went on a journey. I feel like permanent. And I don't know when, I mean, I think they were probably roughly, roughly around the same time, but like permanent to me is like similar to carry on life less plagued where it's just like, I don't know if like, I mean, maybe the best carry on song is on life less plagued, but like, that's just the, like, that is a quintessential hardcore record. True. Whereas, and like permanent to me is a record. Like, I don't know if I could pick a standout track because it's just the record is so good. Like listen to the whole record. Right. No, like really good point. And I think carry on, I don't know if they took, you know, count me out steam or like they got like, but I feel like count me out was always kind of like underappreciated for whatever reason, like when, you know, I, yeah, they just yeah. never, they just didn't get that, but they did. Like the shows out here were great <laughs> or in California. I don't live here there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but it, I, I would agree with you that even though, you know, their shows that they played here, you know, showcase and everywhere else that they did out here were good. Like, you know, they had a good, you know, 150 to 200 people that were watching them and caring about them and singing along and stuff and, you know, got the, <laughs> the indecision records boost and everything like that. But it definitely didn't feel they didn't go to the next level of, you know, a band like, you know, that came a couple of years before, like Ensign or something like that, where it was like, you know, utter pandemonium every time that, you know, yeah. Ensign, would, Ensign would have 500 kids at the showcase. Right. Totally. And like it, it felt like they achieved a lot for what they were able to do with it, but definitely not to the standpoint that these records are still, you know, uttered like like how. I don't even know how like a reunion show at like, you know, this is hardcore or sounded fury or whatever would even go for count me out. You know, I like, feel like they would, they would have to play just United blood. It's true. Like, yeah. Like that like it would just have to be Richmond. Yep. No, it's totally. Yeah. That's, and I, that's and if they true. did. And if they played, I would go. Yeah, it's definitely, honestly, I feel the same way about count me out as I do <clears throat> like battery. You know, I'm going to see battery in like a week and a half. And it's like, that is the highlight of the entire weekend. And they're playing yeah. with, you know, Gorilla Biscuits, Judge, all these other things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, Battery. I saw Battery five years ago when they did the first reunion. And it was like they played like second or third. I think I think it was the night with Chain of Strength or Texas the Reason or like something. It was just like, okay, I saw Battery. Like, I don't care what happens anymore. Like, let's move on. Let's see. Let's just let Battery play more. Yep. 
<laughs> no, totally. Another podcast for another day. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we just our, our battery appreciation podcast. Uh, well, yeah. So, anyways, this is the song "What We Built." It's off their record one ten. And like I said, if you like any bits and pieces of it, you will like every single thing that they have done, minus the first EP. It's, it's a little a little sketchy on that one, but here's the song. Joey has one more little uh, anecdote he would like to share about Count Me Out. So hit me. Just real quick, and it doesn't even have, I guess it has to do with Count Me Out because they played, but there was a show at the showcase, and it was I think, Count Me Out, Over My Dead Body. I don't remember who else played, probably In Control and right. <laughs> someone else. And it, and Shelter was headlining. Oh, yeah, and that's right. That's right. That this, was, was, this was like uh, 20 Summers Pass era, right? Like pop punk yes. Yeah, okay. I yes. remember that show. There was, I'm going to, I don't really remember, but there was like, 300 people there was a lot of people there it was a good show and i remember dave mandel like trying to get people to like stick around for shelter and just go nuts just to like i mean kind of as a goof but like just everyone just like stick around and go wild for shelter and the show was great and then everyone left after count me out <laughs> that's <laughs> no i think i i think i maybe watched like three or four shelter songs and but yep. there was maybe yep. 50 people yeah but yeah <laughs> I just, I'll never forget that show because it was, it was like crazy lineup with shelter headlining and nobody stayed. Yep. Everyone's like, peace out. Sorry guys. <laughs> All right. Our friends at smile direct club are back and you've heard me talk about them before, but I'm here to serve you a reminder. So they believe that you should not have to pay a fortune to get a smile you love. So what they do is they work with state certified dentists and orthodontists to ship custom invisible aligners to your door each month. You don't even need to leave the house. So you don't have to have those expensive in-office visits, embarrassing wires, or frankly, wasting money. You can get started with an impression kit, which is done in the privacy of your own home at your own schedule for only 95 bucks, And it's covered by their Smile Guarantee. So if your liners are not a good fit, you get your money back. And not to mention, Smile Direct Club is extremely affordable. 60% or less is the cost that you could save with Smile Direct Club. And plus, insurance covers a lot of it as well. And the listeners of this show can get 50% off the evaluation cost. And I love this stuff. It's stuff, this kit. It's so cool. It comes in this awesome box. You toss in the aligners. You send that out. They evaluate it. You have a person contact you and tell you, like, yes, this this is what you will do. Here's your plan. I just love it. It's unbelievable. And they actually are not available in North Carolina, which is weird, but, you know, I just had to put that in there. But you can save 50% off the cost of Smile Direct Club's at-home impression kit by visiting smiledirectclub.com, and please use the promo code WORDS at checkout. So that's smiledirectclub.com, promo code WORDS. This stuff is the real deal. I love it, and you should try it out, because who doesn't want a better smile, right? So do that, smiledirectclub.com, promo code WORDS. There you go. Now on with your day and on with the rest of the show.
Well, let's uh, let's dive into your second pick of the list, which I'm excited to talk about. Uh, I my second pick is the Nerve Agents. So good, and I, you know they might be not quite. They, they might have I think aren't quite as for, you know quote unquote forgotten and like they kind of crossed over into more like the punk world, but like to me they were this band that I kind of stumbled upon. I think the first time I saw them was like opening for Bane at PCH club and they had, they just put the 10 inch out on rev and I was familiar with redemption 87, but didn't realize it was the singer of redemption 87, like all this. And then the band just like blew me away. And then they kind of became like the Northern California house band of the PCH club where I, I mean, I probably saw them there 10 plus times always with no reply. And they were, I don't know. There was something about that band that just like, they were like a hardcore band for like punks and it was so damn good. And the shows were so fun and yeah, it was, they were just, they were great. Yeah. They they were a really, really bizarre band. It, It, not even so much the fact that they, you know, they, they straddled the line between, you know, punk and hardcore and like, you know, even, you know, elements of different scenes, like, you know, oi or whatever, like just the aesthetic of it. But I think, it's so funny because anytime I reflect on these bands, a lot of it, a lot of their either, you know, success or, um, you know, unrecognition, whatever you want to call it, is all usually attached to like maybe some of the business decisions they made from like the labels they put out records on or whatever. And it's like, yeah, Rev was, you know, hot at the, the at the moment, like they were putting out, a you know, a decent amount of stuff then. But Nerve Agents didn't fit really so much with the aesthetic of what they were going for at the time, you know, from like... Drowning Man, Curl Up and Die, you know, all of those bands, yeah. and then there's like Nerve Agents. And then when they put out the record on Hellcat, it was like just after people really stopped paying attention to Hellcat. And I don't like, I don't know. I just felt like they always yeah. were missing those pushes at the label, just being associated with the same bands that they would have, uh, you know, done well with or whatever. If, if Days of the White Owl would have come out on Hellcat, it'd be a different story because that was like, around the time like the distillers were taking off and like, you know, rancid is still rancid. Like it would be, you know, I think they would have a different, a different history. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love like anytime a band, especially from a, you know, singer's perspective has a, you know, clearly defined aesthetic and like, you know, Eric Ozine always had, interesting things going on whether he was wearing like you know bondage pants or whether he was wearing makeup or whatever his choice was for that particular time was always like that's cool man because he's not he doesn't look like your you know traditional you know hardcore punk singer like for those particular shows you know it's like if he's playing a hardcore show he would look more punk and not saying it was like intentional on his part he just that's what he was he was going for i always thought that was really cool and i mean you know kind of like they were a band that like, as I got into them more, I realized like the connection to AFI who is, you know, my favorite band of all time. And just, I think that made me like them even more just being like, Oh, like AFI likes them. So yeah, you know, and like, it's true though. But like, I, I have these memories of, I did like a weekend trip with in control and they played two shows with the nerve agents. One was in Santa Cruz and one was in, Oh God. Uh, it was in Grass Valley. That's some, but Davey Havoc was there, and like dudes were like getting in his face, 
and afterwards it was like he kind of like came up to like me and Brandon Bale and like just like talked to us for a while and it was just like this is a wild night like what a like you know when you're 20 or like you know 22 23 and the singer of your favorite band is talking to you at a nerve agent show like that's tight right yeah. <laughs> and then totally. full circle a couple years ago I toured with Touche Amore on their AFI tour and in Portland like this guy was just wandering around around or wandering around wearing like a bowler's hat and just came up and like started talking to me and the drummer from Touche. And I was like, God, this guy looks so familiar. And he was like, Oh, what's up? I'm Eric. And it just like clicked. I was like, I was like, Oh, what's up? I was like, and then just like, yeah, I used to see the nerve agents all the time. And right. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's super, super cool. Yeah. The, the lineage of, of, you know, him as a person in the, you know, Oakland, East Bay, San Francisco music scene, you know, is something that, you know, clearly he's respected from, you know, both you and I, but it's just, it's so cool to see how much he's, you know, influenced people and all the pr- music projects that he's played in, you know, from Unit Pride and everything else. It's like, it's just awesome to see a person be able to be that, well, not even that prolific because, you know, he didn't put out a ton of music, but no, but it's like that music was influential. He, he definitely, you know, left his mark at, at Gilman and yeah. it's cool to see. Yeah. So what's uh, are you gonna play song one off uh, Days of the White Owl? I'm actually not. I'm gonna play the first song off uh, their first EP on Rev, which oh, the ga- the horrible artwork, the gas mask one, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's I I didn't even look. It's self titled, right? Yeah, self titled. Yeah, yeah. Um, the song is Carpe Diem, and it was just it's the when I like hear that song, it just brings me back to a time time and place at the PCH club, and just yeah, and it will like. It's it's hard for me to think of anything else with the Nerve Agents. Is it their best song or their best record? No. Days of the White Owl is a perfect record, and everyone should go listen to that. But Carpe Diem is to me the song that like is the Nerve Agents. Yeah, it's no, it's I, I agree wholeheartedly. Well, let's listen to a little bit of it, and just don't look at the artwork because the artwork's pretty bad. Sorry, <laughs> take taking shots at uh, whoever was doing the uh, in-house art at Rev at that time. Kevin <laughs> Finn, I can't remember who was doing it at the time. So sorry, no judgment, but I'm sure. Uh, you know, yeah, that was representative of the time. Here's the song. <laughs> for bringing for taking us uh, a trip down memory lane on that one i do i like the pch memory too because like just the two bands that i inex well a couple bands that i inextricably link to the pch club like if i close my eyes and i just think of like five bands it's like i think of nerve agents kill your idols uh no reply uh locust and then i remember seeing the murder city devils there when they still lit their uh symbols on fire which was like just and it was it was actually Locust and Murder City Devils and I, I could I, oil field dude I just couldn't even like I remember I was so close to the stage and they, they well stage like I use that term liberally but I just remember that happening it was like uh, uh, we're we're gonna we're all gonna die or my you know arm hairs are singed and yeah but those yeah the PCH Club what a what a special shithole of a place the, it truly was and it's uh, yeah I think a little piece of me died the day the PCH Club closed. True story. Um, well, a band that would have undoubtedly played PCH Club if it still existed when they were uh, touring 
well, they didn't really tour that much. I think I only saw this band once, and I think it was on the East Coast, so I don't even know if they came out here. But Deep Cut, as Joey said when we were exchanging texts over this, uh, Backstabbers Incorporated, So, which the singer has now gone on to play in Trap Them, and Trap Them has been a band that has been quite active since, I don't know, 2000, gosh, 2006 maybe? I don't know, 10 plus years easily. Good stretch. Yeah. So Backstabbers Inc. were, you know, very short-lived. I want to say they existed from like 2001 to maybe 2004. Uh, put out, they put out uh, an EP, a full-length called Kamikaze Missions, and then they put out a collection called like Bears Bones, I think. And that was like, I think it was like a combo of like their seven inches because they put out a bunch of seven inches and or not a bunch, like two or three. Um, and so I think that was a collection, and then I think they repackaged their first EP on that as well, which was. Again, this just goes to show our where your and my stupid minds always just files this information away. Guy from the Red Cord, Cord had a record label, and he was the one that put out that Bears Bones collection, which I'm totally blanking on the name of the label, though. Do you remember that label? It was a division of Metal Blade. Eh, I know. It's it's very irrelevant, though. So, anyways. <laughs> That's that's not the point of this this topic. The, the point is, Backstabbers Incorporated were such a goddamn good band. They were, they definitely are the more metallic side of things. You know, maybe even verging into uh, metalish at parts. But then they totally had the you know D beat his heroes gone tragedy influenced mixed with like just you know weird noise stuff as well. Um, but you know their songs were just super visceral. And like I remember the first EP came out, and it was one of those things where I was like. I listened to it at the record store that you and I worked at, Bionic, and I was I listened to it. And I was like, I can't ever play this again in the store. Like, this would just bum out so many people. Well, they they were a band that like it was weird because like I I feel like they I don't know if like I mean again maybe with like the Count Me Out Carry On thing, but like I feel like Cursed was roughly around the same time. Maybe Cursed was a little late. I don't really remember. Yeah, but like. Like they don't sound too far off from what Cursed did. Sure. And Cursed is, you know, remembered as this like legendary, like legendary band that like people lose their minds over, but Backstabbers Incorporated is just kind of like a forgotten time. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean I think they I mean they were just a weird band too, because like, you know, I mean for anybody that's seen Trap Them or followed the you know, the the singer of that band, he he just like disfigures himself like you know hits himself in the head with a microphone and like he was doing that in backstabbers and um you know it's just a weird experience when you see someone like maiming themselves on stage like to the point where you're like you're really bloody like this needs to stop this is weird (laughs) so they definitely and plus like all their songs were like the most nihilistic things possible like you know don't talk to me don't even look at me i can't even believe you're watching my band play was like you know their their thesis statement but uh but they were just so good, and I yeah I, I really enjoyed all of their musical output. But specifically their first EP, just because it was so visceral. And I don't know if you remember. So on the the first EP, I think it was like a six song EP. Uh, it's called While You Were Sleeping. I had to look that one up. But they did. It was like the last track was like a three minute long song, but no vocals. But they played uh, Al Pacino's scene from Sent from a Woman or Sent of a or no is it's yeah yeah where he does the whole monologue at the end. Yeah, they played that. And it's just, you know, them doing their own, like, you know, sort of droning music in the background and they play his speech. And I just thought, I was like, 
that is so like i can't even believe that that's so ballsy to just be like whatever we don't we like yeah. we, don't, we don't care like <laughs> well, the other the other thing about that band that i thought was was cool was like the, around in the early 2000s like pretty much every so, or not every but so many labels would release like a, a seven inch comp that was about like skateboarding oh yeah it was always, <laughs> yeah, it was always totally like, it was always like bands that, you know, like six to five thrashcore bands or like, like life's halt would be on it or like, you know, like more thrashy stuff. But then like backstabbers would be on these things. Yep. True. And it's like, like they just stood out like a sore thumb, but it was so cool that like they were on these comps that yep. you would just never expect a band like, you know, to do. And I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, that's a really good point. I, I do think, I, I really liked your, I, I didn't make the connective tissue, even though it totally makes sense, like the, the cursed connectivity as far as the sound is concerned. And I do think like, you know, I mean, dude, if Chris Callahan fronted Backstabbers Incorporated, like, you know, we would, we probably, I mean, we obviously wouldn't be talking about cursed, but like it would, yeah. it, this, this, this band would be so much more revered, remembered, whatever you want to call it. But, um. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And they, yeah, they, he said they kind of flitted between scenes, um, which you know maybe is a theme in all these bands that we're talking about. They could play punk shows, they could play hardcore shows, and yeah. people wouldn't you know be too too bummed watching it or whatever. So, but the um, the song I wanted to play is it's essentially their first two songs off that EP that I was mentioning because uh, but they just blended into one another. It's called Suicide Song slash Upon Completing Your Application. And they always tended to sing about like how terrible work was too, which I, I was you know, as a twenty year old person, you're just like, Yeah, fuck work, man. I, I don't want I don't want to work. As you're, as you're working at a record store. <laughs> totally. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But like well I'm working at an edgy job, man. I'm I'm not part of your nine to five, even though yeah. like I'm working ten to four. Like it's cool. <laughs> but anyways, here's back to so I Did you ever see Backstabbers? I doubt that you did. I don't think I did. Yeah. Because, yeah. I I, did like a Hellfest or. I don't think so. I think I saw. The only time I saw them, I think, was like a. Uh, when I was working at Century Media and they, you know, we go out to like New England Metal and Hardcore Fest. And I want to say that they played one year for that. Um, and I do. I was also. I, I was trying to sign them at one point to, you know, Century Media. And it was one of those things where it was like, you know, I could get a few people interested, but it was like. I, you know, that would basically be me, like, you know, just burning money in a corner for the label. Like, I just was like, what, what was I thinking? But it's like, the band was so good. And uh, to bring it back to uh, what we were wondering earlier, black market activities. Thank you. That's exactly it. I knew it was like a two-word thing. Black market activities. Thank you. That's actually three words, right? Uh, no, I, sorry. Black market was the, <laughs> what was in my head. And now Guy from Red Cord is a police officer, I think, in uh, Lynn, Massachusetts. So there you go. One of my, uh, I don't know if I should say favorite, most memorable tour experiences was uh, the Taken Red Court show in, I think, Lowell, Massachusetts. Dude, yeah, that was a, uh, that was pretty, that ter- was, that was a pretty terrifying night, Joey. 
That was a two-day shit show because then was the CFC in uh, New Hampshire the next day. Which is still the only show I've ever played in New Hampshire. I have never been back to New Hampshire. Nope. No reason to, man. No reason to. But we did. Fortunately, we did have a hotel. Yes. I, I do remember you and I remember you and I going to look at the venue, quote unquote venue, before we went to play the show there. We were like, all right, let's, let's, let's scope it out, see what it's like. And then you and I were just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. With one of the guys working there being like, if you could bring some of your friends, I don't think there are going to be a lot of people here. And us being like, we're from California. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, looks like we know how the show's going to go tonight. <laughs> uh, it, hey, can you just let us know if a white power band is playing also? Oh, they are? Oh, good. Oh, great. That's uh, that's definitely our demographic. <laughs> yeah. Grand, I think grand total of 20 people paid there, if if that. Yeah. They yeah. almost did. They wouldn't let me in because I wasn't a member of the band. Um, I had to, They were going to make me pay. <laughs> yep. That was, yep. That was a whole... There was a whole- and then you had to, uh, th- they said we only let uh, girlfriends in, and then you said you were dating. Uh, the singer, the yeah. singer of uh, The Rise said that he was, I was his boyfriend. Yep. Yeah, that's- and I will never forget the woman said, what the woman said, as long as you're fucking someone. Hmm. <gasps> that's right. <laughs> that's so good. Oh, man. Oh, what a night. I will never forget that terrible night yeah that was a uh, that was a that was a collection of events that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> i know it's, i look back fondly yeah exactly well hey we're we are we we survived and we have the ridiculous stories that match it exactly uh l- l- let's take a step away from what we were talking Ba-dum. about yeah good segue uh so hit, hit us with your uh your your third and final pick uh it, it, my last pick is the first step uh, yes, they were a DC like straight edge band. Um, put out some records, and I don't know. They were it's there's I have a weird like history with that band because like I was into them. They did the seven inch on what was the name of the um, fuck? Is it, I don't think it was Live, Tim McMahon. Livewire, right? Live Wire. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, I got the record. I was like, this is awesome. Like, youth crew, like, like you know, positive hardcore. And then, you know, time goes by. And I don't know. I think he was in the band when you were. Li- did you live with Greg? Weaver, did you cross time with Greg? You did. I did. did I, yes, I did. And he was playing. Well, that was part. Yeah. yeah, he was playing in the first step. So then, you know, years go by and our roommate ends up playing bass in the first step. And so, yeah, there, this, you know, I guess more you know, intimate relationship with the band because one of our good friends and roommates was in the band. But to me, they're like, there's bands like, I, you know, I don't know if I could, I guess I'll say, just say battery just because I can't think of anyone else, but like there's bands that from like, that just, I think of a specific era and it was like battery, the first step. And like, I feel like mindset was like the band after the first step that were just, they did the, the you know, they weren't, you know, you know, breaking breaking boundaries and you know mm-hmm. they were just playing like traditional like youth crew hardcore and but they were just the best at it like the first FLP what we know is like, i think one of the better hardcore records you know of of the era and i think it it still holds like that place and it's i mean it's it sounds as current as it did 10 years ago yeah 
I, I think because the way I always uh, I, I I wasn't like a complete devotee of that band. I always really appreciated what they do, and it's so funny because I think there there are <clears throat> I'm going to be 80 years old. And there, as provided that there is still a vibrant hardcore scene and a band that comes out that is like well recorded, um, you know, wearing some, uh, you know, athletic flying sneakers and like, you know, has a similar aesthetic to many bands that have came before them, I'll probably be like, oh, that's pretty good. Like, I'll just always have that appreciation for that quote unquote classic style when it's done, you know, well. And that's exactly what the first, they were so proficient at that. They were like, I, the record sounded amazing. I'm almost positive Walter Schreifels produced it. And I think I'm using producing loosely from, if I remember correctly. <laughs> right. But um, I think he was in the studio. Um, but it like, they were just, they like their live shows were great. Like kids went wild. Like the, the singer always had good things to say. Mm-hmm. Like they were just, they like were the, the epitome of like what you want from like an 88 style hardcore band, but they didn't, you know, they weren't, it didn't sound like it sounded current, but still sounded like, you know, youth of today or whatever. Um, and it was great. Like I, I missed the first step. I, every t- I always harass Greg, but when's the first step going to play again? When's the first step gonna play again? <laughs> right. Right. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm not, I haven't given up yet. Yeah. Well, there, it, it, yeah, there, there's something when it when it's done well, it just cuts through, and it's like, yeah, that's great because it's, uh, you know, it's low impact as far as like a show is concerned, and like you know, getting like getting to know two or three songs from a band so you can you know sing along to, and then because of that, the shows are always going to be super fun, and it's always going to be engaging from that perspective. So it's, uh, yeah, it, the first step was definitely the epitome of that band, but you know, on the backside of that is the fact that you know they're once they are done you know a band a band like mindset exists and then once a band like mindset is done there's going to be another band that has to carry that mantle that's going to be the most popular you know quote-unquote youth core youth hardcore band or youth crew band i meant to say uh you know because it, it does seem like that torch continually kind of passes for you know from year to year yeah who's, the, so, so who's that right now i don't i, I, I don't know it's a good question i just thought of that I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to. Uh, yeah, because there's no there's, one that, there's no one that's really like popped up as far as like you know being. It would it would be so awesome if like a band were to get signed to like Equal Vision, you know, and like be be that sort of band where it's just like, oh yeah, well this is this is what's happening right now. I think after uh, Betrayed, I don't know if Equal Vision would do another another. Uh, that's like that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, but what the other thing I thought that was cool about the record what we know is that it came out on rivalry which at the time like rivalry had verse but verse to me always felt like you know they they were from vermont rhode island rhode island and but they felt like a west coast band to me like they they did so well on the west coast like they just crushed it out here out there fuck um (laughs) and rivalry was like this you know all the like the bands that were like their biggest bands were these like these west coast bands like you know allegiance and um, well, I can't think of anyone else on rivalry, but, um, for verse, et cetera. Yeah. But so like when, you know, the first step record came out on rivalry, I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Like I thought it was a great look for rivalry to like, it was a great look for, for the first step. And I don't know. It was just, I thought a, a cool, a cool partnership 
um yeah between the two yeah absolutely so what uh what song you want to play uh the first song on what we know time to understand it is like it has like everything you'd want from a youth group hardcore song like it like the it's got the quiet part like we kind of talks over like the, the the you know the muted riffs um like the breakdown i don't know it's it's great that's like it's the perfect place to start i suggest uh, i celebrate their entire catalog but what we know is a, a phenomenal hardcore record there, there we go. No, nothing can, that can set up that song more appropriately. So yeah, let's listen to it. selection joey you, but, but you do celebrate their entire catalog so you could have picked anything i could have but I, that record is and greg's on that record and i don't know if he's on the earlier stuff yeah so good. shout out to greg yes good 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 point show showing showing friendship where we can the uh the last pick goes very much along with and this is also another band that i know when i told you i was going to select you're like damn i wanted to do that one too so but i I think that's good because we're both in the same page. So uh, I think it's fun. Um, so with honor, uh, that is a, a band. They're a band from Connecticut, um, and they you know put out a couple records. Well, they put out one record on Victory, one record on or one record one full length on Stillborn, one EP on Stillborn, and then didn't exist didn't exist after that, right? Because they didn't ever put anything past the first full length on Victory, right? No. Yeah, heart means everything, which is. It's like, well, Heartbeat thing was the record on Stillborn. That's right. That's right. The, the victory record was "This Is Our Revenge." That's right. That's right. My bad. Um, but yeah, this the they were a band that had so much heat on them in regards to just like you know they seemed to start to transcend you know the particular hardcore scene. Like you know they could play with Hatebreed and they could play with you know a pop punk band. Like because they had so many elements of you know, Melody and Todd, the singer could sing and they had so much going for them. And then, um, you know, frankly, that victory record kind of sunk them <laughs> in the respect of, uh, that record just wasn't maybe that solid. Have you listened to that record recently? I, I personally haven't. Uh, it's been a while, but I did revisit it because when it came out, like it was almost all, it was, it was a lot of singing. It was much more melodic and a lot more singing. And I went back and revisited a few years ago and I liked it more, then than I did when it first came out. I feel like it's a record that aged aged well. Interesting, yeah. I haven't uh yeah, I haven't revisited it. But the um 
the first EP, which is that that's I'm going to play <clears throat> the first song off that EP called uh, Bridges and Gaps, or it's technically the second song because there was an intro, like every band needed to have in the late '90s <laughs> and early 2000s, an intro, a ambient intro track. <laughs> but the they they just were they were perfect at that melodic hardcore stuff that started to really you know percolate in the early 2000s and um their shows were fun there's like there's literally not one thing that i could like fault the band for where it's like oh yeah like maybe i didn't like this part like great dudes like you know you and i hung out with them on many occasions um it just were so so good and it just i wished i wished the world for them but then it just didn't happen for them yeah and i remember too they this sounds like I'm, I'm bringing this up just to be like, oh, I worked at a record label, blah. But like, you, I when I was working at Century Media, was trying to sign those dudes, and like, I'm sure you remember like those demos that we had. You know, do you remember that? Like those, it was like three songs that they had that they were kind of shopping around when they were talking to a bunch of different labels. Do you remember those? Not really. Okay, because I, I want to say they were, it was like three or four songs, and we had you know they were sharing them to the people they were talking to. It was like Century Media. Uh, Vagrant they were talking to. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, they were talking to Vagrant. I can't remember who else they were talking to, seriously. Because basically what it was, it was like, it was between us and, and um, Vagrant. And then Victory came in kind of last minute, like they usually do as from a business perspective, and just gave them an offer that they couldn't refuse. Like, you know, just a large advance or whatever. It was basically just kind of, you know, doubled everything of what they were seeing from both of our labels. And... um and then they signed with Victory, and then you know the rest is history. But I just those demos were just like, oh my gosh, like this is this weird combo of like what they used to do, but then now it's like Todd singing more, but it doesn't, it still has that aggressive tone. I just remember like feeling so, yeah, uh, stoked on. They, they were being like, I feel like we're like could have been like a heavier movie life almost, where like movie life to me always kind of like we're like towed the line, we're like yeah, we're hardcore kids, but we're going to, you know, play the more like pop punk stuff. Whereas like with honor to me, like they have like the aggression as a hardcore band, but we're able to like dip their toe into like the pop punk world. And it's like, if they were, if there was a way to like intersect the, I don't know, like yeah, what, what could have, what could have come totally. from them? Totally. Yeah. They definitely, I mean, they, you know, they couldn't have been like a, a newfound glory or something like that, but you know, maybe, and this is this could be a huge stretch, but like you could have easily seen them occupying some space where, like you know, Rise Against is like Rise Against has you know aggressive tendencies and also is super melodic. Um, but I could have easily seen with Honor kind of going on some sort of track that isn't too dissimilar to that. You know, maybe not to the you know radio level success that Rise Against has risen yeah. to, but like something like that. But. Yeah, they just. <laughs> I always, uh, I always laugh at this particular song too because I always remember the uh, the the band I played in with Martin Makoto. We uh, for he he like loved with honor. And anytime we put this song on in the van, he would immediately like. The joke was that he'd be like in a dead sleep, and we'd play it, and then he would immediately like start moshing and just like you know doing stage dives in the van. And uh, I just always have fond memories of of that particular you know instance. Like it would be you know two in the morning, we played the song, and he would just be like rolling over people. It was always hilarious. Um, but yeah, that but that that particular memory I attached to with honor for obvious reasons. But then also, I just it just felt like people always had fun at their shows too. You know, like they always yeah. seemed and. 
to your point of the pre, you know previous band, the first step always saying cool things in between songs. I felt like Todd always had interesting and introspective things to say on stage as well. Yeah, they were, their shows are great. Like, they, and like I mean, you said this also, but they like were genuinely some of the nicest people. Like, because I, I, I'm almost positive they also stayed at our house a bunch. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't remember. I don't remember everyone that stayed at our house, but like, you know, those dudes were always very cool. And like, yeah, I don't know. They were just, yeah, yeah. solid. I saw Jeff not too long ago uh, in New York and it was awesome catching up and just, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I, 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 I wish I liked, I wish I liked uh, ambitions more. I loved ambitions. I wanted to sign them to Abacus. <laughs> I remember that. I just wish like it, it wasn't anything that like I didn't enjoy. I thought it was cool, but like I, I think just uh, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted I wanted to like it like as much as I liked with Honor, which was hard to do. I guess. I, I still I like heart means everything. I think is I feel like I'm repeating myself over and over again, but it's just <laughs> one of those records from that era that just to me like stands the test of time and is so good. Yeah, that's pretty. It's yeah, I I totally agree. So, but I didn't pick a song off that. Like I said, I, I know I picked the uh, Bridges and Gaps from their uh, their first EP, and um, yeah, well, it, that's uh, that's it's unfortunate that the band didn't grow to what they uh, were, but at least they get mentioned on this podcast, which is you know almost that's... almost equivalent as them being a band like you know five to ten years longer, right? <laughs> it means something, Ray. <laughs> it's true. All right, let's listen to the song and then we'll uh, get some closing thoughts at the end. that was uh with honor and then that uh that finishes our list even though we probably could have selected like at least three or four more bands from that uh <laughs> from from this this particular era but uh i th- i think so, uh, something i wanted to mention i'm sure you have a few thoughts that can ping pong off this was like the um you know, as i was like as these bands were kind of coming so clearly in my head um it's really it, it's interesting to watch like just because you and I have continually paid attention to you know this music scene you know growing in popularity waning in popularity and then like where like hardcore always seems to exist at this level where it's like yeah there's times where it's maybe not as popular or there's not as many bands but it you know clearly it never like goes away and I think that's you know it's clearly very heartening for people like you know you and i and many others who invested a lot of time and effort and energy into this this whole scene so i think that's even though these bands are you know not as not as uh, prevalent as they once were i think the fact that you know there are bands that could owe uh, you know many debts of gratitude to either you know these bands or the sound or you know that sort of stuff just to see the lineage of it's really cool yeah and i think i mean yeah there, and there's always going to be like and that's the thing with hardcore. Like there's always going to be new bands that are going to be breaking new ground and whether or not they're reinventing the wheel or not, there's going to be bands that do that sound 
better than others and will be the, the will be the bands that we're talking about they'll be those bands of the future like these bands like the cycle continues and it's just cool you know yeah it's, it's fun to watch yeah absolutely well thanks for taking this uh, trip down memory lane joey i ho- hopefully some people will find some value and listen to these bands and um you know they'll all of a sudden they'll, they'll start to sell tens of records <laughs> just up the spotify numbers <laughs> exactly get the, get them on a streaming chart or whatever it is how they however they measure that no problem thanks ray there you have it that was our uh, nice in-depth discussion with mr cahill joey cahill from 613 on records about uh, early 2000s hardcore right hopefully you found at least one or two of those tracks if not all of them to pique your interest and be like you know one of two things can happen you'll either walk down memory lane and be like oh that's right i remember that band i forgot about that band or man i've never heard that song i need to find that record i need to listen to it immediately stream it on youtube or spotify or wherever it is you consume your media and uh yeah i just i I love it myself because there are some times where it's like for example the backstabbers incorporated ep i after i I, that just came to me in a fever dream, and I was like, this has to be a part of this episode. And then I kept listening to that EP, and frankly, all of their other uh, work after that, for like a good week or so. And I was like, man, this band was awesome. So yeah, that's what we got for today. And like I said, email me, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com, if you have specific ideas on stuff that you would like us to do a deep dive on in regards to buried treasure, and um, yeah, that sort of stuff. So Next week is an awesome episode and conversation that I had with Nathan Ellis from Coalesce, Casket Lottery, and most recently, Abel Baker Fox. The record that they just put out on No Sleep Records is really, really good, and uh, I've been a huge fan of what Nate has done over the years with all of his bands from Coalesce and Casket Lottery, like I mentioned, so we had a great discussion. So that is next week, and um, yeah, that's all I got for you. So please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.